The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode in format of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. So in this episode of the podcast, I brought on Drew Dinkmeyer and Michael Gallagher from Daily Roto and RotoWorld.com respectively to discuss uh, the NBA. And this is going to be a new weekly show on the TakeCast. So this is going to be in your TakeCast feed in addition to a lot of the other shows that we have done. Uh, I think that you guys are going to find these shows really informative if you like the NBA, if you play DFS, if you like to gamble on the NBA, or if you just like to follow the league. I know that I love personally listening to NBA podcasts and you know having people share their opinions on the league and follow their observations from watching. And there are really no other people that I would rather listen, talk to, the NBA than uh, than Mike Gallagher and Drew Dinkmeyer. So this is going to be a new weekly show on the TakeCast feed. I would love all of your feedback and suggestions on the podcast. Anything that you guys want implemented or if something's not working for you, please reach out to me and, uh, you know, just go ahead and let me know. So uh, we are sponsored by DailyRoto.com, the best NBA projections in the industry. You can get 10% off there using the promo code Rory. We are also sponsored by RotoExperts.com. You can get 10% off of the best fantasy football content on the internet using the promo code MATIC. That's the NFL 365 package using the promo code MATIC. M-A-T-T-E-K gets you 10% off of there. Of course, you can always support the show in other ways by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. That's always very helpful and useful. And you can get bonus episodes of the show using patreon.com slash takecast for $5 a month. You get bonus shows. You get to support the show. And... And, uh, you know, just really helps us keep this thing running. Now let's go ahead and get into the new TakeCast. 
Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the TakeCast, bringing in my buddies, Michael Gallagher and Drew Dinkmeyer. We are going to be doing this every Monday here on the podcast, just running through uh, big, pitch, big picture questions for the NBA. You know, we're going to be focusing on some DFS stuff, some, you know, just uh, conjecture, fun trades, all, all the cool stuff going on in the NBA. And uh, we wanted to bring Mike on the show because uh, you know no one is grinding these uh, these micro changes in the NBA harder than him, and uh, no one knows more about uh, about NBA DFS than Drew Dinkmeyer. So very excited to bring the show to you. We are going to start with uh, some rotational things to watch before we get into some bigger picture NBA stuff. Mike wanted to start with the uh, the Hornets probably the worst team in the NBA. What are we looking for with their rotation to begin with? So first, thanks for having me on. And second, uh, first time to do a podcast with Dink. So super pumped yeah. for that. Man. Um, so yeah, so a uh, lot's happened in the last week. Actually, really the biggest development to me has been the play of PJ Washington. He is basically Wally pipped a hurt Nick Batum. Uh, Batum today, just before he came on, had said that he's okay coming off the bench. So all signs point to it being... Rozier, Dwayne Bacon, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, and Cody Zeller as the starting five. I'd be pretty much shocked if it was anything else. Uh, Batum has Achilles issues in both of his Achilles now, a uh, different one from last year that limited him late in the season. So he is going to get managed, I think, pretty hardcore. So I expect those five to get a lot of minutes. I think Devontae Graham, who played a little bit next to Kemba last year, I expect him to see some minutes uh, at spot minutes. And then Terry Rozier, who's going to play about 34 minutes per James Borrego. Um, but he did say he will kind of limit him on back-to-backs. He won't shut him down like a Chris Stapps or whatever, but he may dial him to like 28, something like that. It's kind of what I would guess off his quote. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it's going to be Michael Kidd Gilchrist openly said that like, and I'm paraphrasing, he basically said, oh, I just stayed here for the money. Like, for his kick. like okay, <laughs> usually guys sugarcoat it. Like, oh, yeah, I'm excited for the culture and playing with him. It's like, nope, I wanted the money. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I'm so weak much, so, Mike, sorry to interrupt, but when I first look at this team, the thing that stands out to me when you talk about that initial starting lineup of, let's say, Rogier, Bacon, P.J. Washington, Bridges, and Zeller, there's a ton of usage to go around on this team in the absence of Kemba Walker. Obviously, Kemba was pushing you know 30-plus percent usage rates for most of the season last year. We know Terry Rogier is going to be willing to shoot the ball a ton, but from like a DFS perspective, since there's no negatives to missing shots and whatnot, this is a team that probably early in the season we can hunt for value quite a bit. Who do you think is going to fill the big usage roles outside of Terry Rozier? Well, it's going to be Rozier, and I think Dwayne Bacon is probably going to be the highest usage guy. He really spent all summer, including um, the team as well, uh, had said that he's going to be really heavy, uh, possibly the number two scorer. Uh, I think Miles Bridges. I think it's pretty much him and Miles Bridges are going to be the two A, two B in this situation, depending on matchups. Uh, and then Dwayne Bacon has also tweeted out he's playing some point guard. We saw him handle the ball a lot. He had a uh, a 32 usage rate in one of the games in the preseason on, on big volume. Like he played normal minutes in like the dress rehearsal. So I think Bacon's going to take a lot of shots. And yeah, to your point, I love this stat. Um, Kemba had about a 45 usage rate in the clutch last year. The leading player on the team in the clutch is Malik Monk at 17%. And then Terry <laughs> Rozier is at 6% in the clutch uh, for usage rate. So yeah, to your point, like there's so much shots to go around. So um, like when they play Atlanta in division, I feel like that's going to be eventually a game we're going to target for DFS. Yeah, um, even and PJ Washington it, could rebound in defensive stats too, so he could be really well rounded. Uh, he's going to be cheap too to start the year. 
Yeah, Washington's one of those guys that I like in seasonal quite a bit because he's he's kind of a category stat stuffer, uh, gets those defensive stats as well. And I don't think he's going to hurt you from the percentages. Some of these guys are going to hurt you from the percentages in seasonal quite a bit because there's just going to be taking on volume expectations they're not accustomed to. But I think this is going to be a team that, especially early in the season, the pricing, the algorithms are going to have a hard time figuring out where to price these guys. And there's going to be a lot of value to be had. And I don't think they're going to come with intense ownership because it's a team that I think a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, let's just ignore. We can't really figure it out, but they're not that deep. They're really not that deep of a team. I don't, I don't expect to see like 10, 12 man rotations. I mean, 10 will be, will probably be normal, but I don't expect to see like 12 man rotations. I think they're going to play relatively tight. So I think there's a lot of value to be had there. Um, some of these other like unknown kind of bad team situations, um, like the Cavs, what 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 can we expect from the Cavs this year? I know last year it was just like Sexton and Clarkson, and occasionally whenever Kevin Love was out, we'd have like Larry Nance time. Um, but what are we going to do? They threw in another, you know, ball dominant guard into the mix. What are we going to do with them this year? So Darius Garland, I would probably avoid playing him early in DFS. Uh, he's pretty healthy, but um, Jim Beeline or John Beeline, their new coach had said that they're not going to push him. I think he's going to have minute restrictions on him for a long time. He was hurt pretty much all last year at Vanderbilt League five games. He only played had a foot injury that they didn't even know what it was. And that always like gives me serious pause. Like, okay, you don't know what's going on. You're sitting him out, like add things up here. It sounds like they're going to limit him. So um, that in turn, I think is good news for Colin Sexton who looks pretty good. His jump shots a little bit smoother. Uh, a guy who really improved his shot after the break, got to the rim a lot more, cut down on mid-ranges. So I think Colin Sexton, um, especially with the Cleveland, their defense is going to be pretty much maybe not as bad, but pretty bad. Um, so they're going to have to probably play a little bit faster, and uh, there should be shots. I don't think Kevin Love's going to get too many shots to really cut down on Sexton. Uh, and then Jordan Clarkson's also going to play some three. Sounds like every single night, regardless of matchup, based on the quotes, really with two days in a row he was talking about that. Uh, and then Larry Nance also is a possible three. So he's another kind of a stat stuffer for defensive stats. Decent dimes. Keep an eye on that. John Henson, they're kind of, kind of high on. And Ante Zizic is also hurt. Uh, he's going to miss probably multiple weeks here. So you're probably going to see some love at the five. So I think even though Larry Nance isn't starting, uh, I think he has a good shot to get to upper 20s. And this guy's pretty good per minute. So uh, a guy that may be off the radar early in the week um, that you can kind of jam in there if, if he has uh, the right matchup. And also Brandon Knight is also going to get probably – um, he may even start to a uh, decent amount of minutes, maybe like super cheap guy that no one's going to want to play that I, w- I wouldn't totally ignore. A rotation that I think is, I think there's no rotation that's more fascinating than the Boston Celtics. I think we know what they're going to do in the backcourt, but I think their center spot with Thies and Enos Cantor, I, f- I find it really interesting. And also I was kind of talking in our Daily Roto sub slack today about, you know, what might happen if they try and run some centerless lineups. What are you seeing early on with uh, the Celtics rotation, Mike? So it sounds like Daniel Theis is going to be the heavy favorite to start. Uh, Brad Stevens basically said he's, I'm I'm paraphrasing, mostly like well-rounded, a little bit of both center. They have kind of extremes, right? They have Kenneth Cantor, pure offense, Robert Williams, the time lord, pretty much pure defense. And they're also going to mix in some Grant Williams at the five, one of the most versatile players in the draft. He could really play even two through five, Uh, just super talented ball handler, really look good in summer league, pretty impressive preseason. So it's going to be DFS-wise. Like besides Thais, who's probably going to start and probably play 20 minutes. But we know Brad Stevens for years now. Like, he will game plan whoever he plays against. So you're going to have to be real sharp uh, to really anticipate how that's going to go um, at the five um, after that. It should be pretty tight. 
Like, they may mix and match who starts with Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Obviously, Kemba's kind of good to go. Let me see a couple minutes dial back. Maybe a slight usage tick down. But I think Kemba's going to be have a really, really good season under Stevens. And Jason Tatum also improved his shot. So he should be a um, little bit uptick on usage. Maybe pass a little bit more. Um, not really the best DFS guy. Um, well, he's only 14 years old. So, I mean, got to give him a little, <laughs> little bit of a break. But, um, yeah, I feel like just that, that five spot is the only really cloudy situation, which is going to be pretty much a mess all year unless somebody really shows out. Yeah, Dink, do you think it? do you think it's possible that they run any – like Jason Tatum at the five, like kind of like, or, or, or Hayward, I guess. And with uh, Tatum down there, like interchangeably and just accept like, okay, we're going to get crushed on the boards, but this is going to be our all offense lineup. You know, they, there might be some matchups they can get away with that for like, you know, a minute or two here or there. But I think what Mike referred to with Grant Williams and that kind of guy, I think Grant Williams, um, you know, really, really high end comp, comp, obviously like absolute best case scenario in the world would be a Draymond Green type player. Um, I don't think he's as good as Draymond, and but in terms Hot of like, no, yeah, kidding. but the but the impact he had uh, collegiately in terms of winning and different things like that, he does like all the little things on the floor. So I can see them doing stuff like that. I think starting uh, Thies makes all the sense in the world, just because you you want cancer kind of dominating second units in terms of usage, and so I think you know just from a fit standpoint that works. I do think Boston's going to be a little bit tricky, um, just because I think they're they're so deep with the amount of combinations that they can play because they've got, you know, these guys that can play basically two through four interchangeably with Jalen Brown and Hayward and Tatum. And you can even throw Marcus Smart in there because he handles Even semi Ojale, just to add real yeah, quick. Too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the guy that they basically have uh, on the roster just for Giannis, he only <laughs> plays in games that they play against Milwaukee, it seems like. But, yeah, I think their rotation is going to be a little bit tricky – um, and I think the usage is going to, you know, kind of be a hot hand situation with some of these guys. So I actually think from a DFS perspective, they're going to be even a little bit trickier than last year, because I think the difference between like Kyrie and Kemba, I think Kyrie, you just always know that Kyrie is going to have Kyrie first in mind. And I don't think Kemba is quite that way. I think Kemba was forced into that role with Charlotte. So I think you might see Kemba kind of work his way in as a distributor a little bit more early in the season and kind of you see a little bit more hot hand approach, which I think will be good for everyone's overall value for like a seasonal perspective. But I think from a DFS perspective, you might have to take shots when the prices kind of come down on guys because I think each guy will kind of go through little spells uh, here and there. Yeah, I think I think that that uh, I think that probably makes sense. What are we seeing with the Bulls guards right now, Mike? So um, a lot of quote unquote multiple ball handler talk here, and this is really um, even more in the forefront after Kobe White really finished strong in the preseason. He had a couple of really good games, um, shot the ball extremely well. Doesn't pass though, so he may be quote unquote a point guard. Um, he's pretty much going to be a shooting guard, pretty much straight up. But what's nice about Thomas Sedaransky is this guy played a lot of three um, back when John Wall was healthy, too. So, I mean, that's just a huge piece of the rotation um, just for his positional versatility. So, I think Sedaransky is going to have a pretty good start to the year. A um, little bit discouraging on the preseason usage rate because Zach Levine was just feasting. Uh, and, I mean, Zach Levine was really uh, – he was all over the news because of his talk about shooting mid-ranges. But really what struck me, like, he shot the ball a lot more than I thought, despite how they were talking about, like, how – um, we're going to try to dial back his usage in the first three quarters so that him feast in the fourth. Based on what I'm seeing, I'm not really buying that. So I think Zach's going to have pretty strong start to the season. Uh, also, Otto Porter, um, Boy- Boylan said that they're going to manage him. So that's a full-on alert uh, on back-to-backs. Um, you got to be careful on Otto Porter. May even sit him, um, given how many leg injuries he had. I mean, that makes total sense. Uh, and then Laurie Markkinen, he's going to play some five. 
That'll get some minutes for Dad Young. Uh, and then Wendell Carter Jr. has um, two ankle sprains, a thumb injury, and two tailbone injuries in the preseason. So put him in bubble wrap. Uh, he looked great. Uh, what Friday, I want to say Friday night uh, had two really impressive blocks. Uh, so I think Wendell Carter Jr. could be a really sneaky guy that you're going to use in certain DFS matchups. Um, his offense is a little bit more polished from what I saw in the small sample size. But uh, I've, I've been a Wendell Carter Jr. guy for pretty much since he came out. But, yeah. I'm a, I'm what, a, what do you think, Dick? I know it's just I, a I'm a huge Wendell Carter Jr. fan as well. I just hope he can hope he can stay healthy because I thought he was playing really well. Um, he, it wasn't like a, a big statistical thing when he was playing last year, but he was really good defensively, and he like he just knows how to play. He stre- he can stretch out, um, has a better offensive game than I think he let on early, and then got started to get more aggressive and then got hurt. Um, I think the interesting thing you mentioned them talking about limiting Otto Porter and certainly something that we need to pay attention to, but their roster also is not conducive to limiting Otto Porter because they have really no small forwards on the roster. Like behind him, they have Chandler Hutchinson who wasn't super effective in his rookie year. You mentioned Sadaransky's ability to play the three. I think that's a huge, huge thing for the Bulls this year is being able to u- utilize uh, Sadaransky's versatility to both uh, preserve some of Otto Porter's minutes, but also facilitate some lineups uh, that make a little more sense uh, for getting their best players on the floor just in general. And I think Sadaransky is such a good fit with that starting lineup with Levine Markinen because he doesn't need the ball in his hands. Uh, he can, you know, he can spread the floor, he can facilitate an offense, but he doesn't really need. Um, the ball in his hands. And I think with Levine and Markinen, you want the ball in their hands quite a bit. So I think the Bulls will be really interesting. I think, you know, the early quotes around Kobe White were that they were going to take it really slow with him. I still think it'll be that that way in terms of playing time, even though he played well in the preseason, simply because I think they really need to figure out the Chris Dunn thing on the roster. And they obviously haven't figured it out during the course of preseason in terms of moving him. But I think they need to figure out what to do with him as an asset that still has a little bit of value and is in a little bit of a roster crunch just because of the drafting of Kobe White and the signing of Sadaransky and obviously uh, being long-term committed to Zach Levine. We'll see if Denzel Valentine can stay healthy. He's had all sorts of ankle issues throughout um, his career missed most of last season. He's another guy that could pr- provide some minutes in a pinch at the three. But I think in general, the Bulls from a DFS perspective, like we have a pretty good idea. The value is going to come from Levine and, and Mark Nin and Porter and Wendell Carter Jr. Sadoransky might have an occasional time where due to injuries or due to price tag situations where he, he kind of comes into play like we saw in Washington last year when they got really ravaged by injuries. But, you know, when everybody's healthy, it's probably going to be Levine, Markkanen, maybe some price point plays on Porter and Carter Jr. that you're paying attention to. And then I'm sure we'll see some Thad Young. Um, certainly if Wendell Carter Jr. can't stay healthy, you'll see more and more Thad Young because I think you'll see this Laurie at the five uh, uh, minutes. But in general, this Bulls team is way, way deeper than last year. Uh, they actually have, you know, more than a more than a few NBA players on the roster, so it should be a more competitive team uh, night in and night out. And you should see um, the benefit for for some of the starters being able to play with other kind of NBA level talent around them. Just yeah. a couple quick things before we move on, if I may. Um, yeah, Hutchison's still out for a while, so they yeah. have he has no backup. Yeah, uh, he's not. He's going to probably miss, I guess, multiple weeks. Um, and then also Boylan said the other day that he wants Denzel Valentine in the rotation as his tenth man. So going to be a 10-man rotation. I think we pretty much touched on all those guys, mixing maybe a little bit of the unicorn at. Um, yep. It sounds like Gafford, as great as he was in summer league, looks like he's not going to get minutes right away. Yeah. All right. Uh, another situation I wanted to talk about was the heat rotation, basically outside of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. What, uh, what, are, we, what are we seeing there? 
So, uh, interesting weekend on Saturday. Deion Waiters got suspended for one game for conduct detrimental to the team. Um, Pat Riley said that he's basically not being professional, but it was pretty obvious. Like a week and a half ago or so, Waiters said that uh, he was unhappy about coming off the bench because Tyler Hero is going freaking crazy. And then, yeah, going ham. Yeah, tie that into Kendrick Nunn dropping 40 on Friday night against the Rockets. Like, you could tell he was not happy about that. Um, he was also the 10th man off the bench. Uh, and was kind of a looser dress rehearsal. The Orlando game was kind of the dress rehearsal, which I guess brings me to the next point. So Anthony Chang of the Miami Herald, really good beat writer, he was writing that he thinks it's certainly possible that starting five is going to be Winslow, uh, Duncan Robinson, Butler, Myers Leonard, and Bam, um, which I did not see coming. (laughs) So, um, But, I mean, I still think that – Myers is keeping the seat warm for Kelly Olenek, uh, who had a knee injury back in August. Uh, took him a while. He just got up to speed. Um, just a full contact practice, I believe, last week. Uh, so that's something to watch. Um, and then also, Gordon Dr- sounds like – so those starting five, Duncan Robinson, we're not really sure what's going on. But those guys, airplane mode. Uh, and then Tyler Hero, and who am I forgetting? Um, oh, Dragic. That's kind of the core eight, I would say, to the rotation, um, and they'll mix in Olenek too. So that's kind—I of, guess—that's kind of their nine man. But then who we'll is see- gonna who is gonna have to miss time before I get to play Tyler Hero in DFS? Nobody, that man. dude, I think he's, he's oh. gonna play enough. Yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna. I I so their quote unquote dress rehearsal game. Hero started, and there was massive overlap of Bam, Jimmy, and Hero. Like it was like a hundred percent the first half, and I, it just struck me for their for that game. They did it like that. So, I th- I still think Hero starts, man. Like, Waiters is straight dusted. Like, I don't think he gets minutes anymore. Um, they'll be willing to trade him for nothing. Um, so, uh, and then just quickly, I love Bam Adebayo. Like, I think he's going to be, like, 15, yeah. 10, and three or four assists with one and a half, two blocks. This this guy is just amazing. Like, he, brought, he brings the ball up off a rebound. I want to say, like, 25% of the time, maybe even higher uh, in the preseason. This guy is just set for a monster year. Um, so, I mean, just – That, that dude – start. That, that dude, every every like incremental um, marker that you'd look at in his development has been upward. Like last year, like when he first came in the league, he was just a dude who kind of did all the little things, hustled, would grab boards, set really good screens. Last year, he started to add a few offensive moves down on the block, and especially like as a as a role man, was pretty effective. And then this year, you said it, Mike. You see him like bringing the ball up and being able to kind of handle off the dribble. Like every single year, that dude, or every single like increment, like half season, that dude is adding something to his skill set that's coming on the court. And Miami is a team, you know, under Spolstra and really under this Riley administration for you know decades now, has really valued guys who work hard off the court and so this Deion Waiters situation doesn't sound like it's going to be a good one I think if you look at the roster in terms of the guys that they're really going to value it makes sense that Bam and Jimmy are going to be the guys that are going to be the most DFS relevant I also think you'll see a lot of Justice Winslow this year I think he's one of those interchangeable parts that they can play um, kind of all throughout the rotation and he fits alongside either Jimmy or Goron because you can just put the ball in those guys' hands and let them create. And I know Winslow's going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit as well as kind of an initiator and, and a point guard. And he can defend one through four as well. I think those guys are going to be interesting, but I think Hero's got, you know, a, a clear cut path to playing quite a bit. And it sounded like, Mike, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounded like based on some of the preseason stuff that they're going to be pretty careful about Dragic's minutes on the whole um, you know, he's starting to get up there into his 30s, and yep. it sounds like they're going to ease some of the offensive responsibility on him and really lean on Jimmy early in the season. 
Well, we know Pat Riley doesn't like to be quiet when it comes to trade markets. So yeah. you know that they're going to probably try to package him in his expiring deal somehow to get better. Yeah, um, Pat Riley does not sit on the Pat panel. Riley. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a slightly used veteran point guard. Everyone loves him. He is the uh, he's the president of the NBA Players Association, and you can have Chris Paul for a top fifty five protected <laughs> second round pick. Does that interest you, Pat Riley? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, that's a that's a great question. Who does okay? Does Chris Paul end the season on the Oklahoma City Thunder roster? I say no. I can't imagine that he does. Um, it seems like I don't know. It's it's it, it's just it's such a tough contract. But yeah, it's, it's gonna have to be multiple multiple teams. I think. Yeah, it's such a tough contract to figure out. I think he certainly wouldn't want it. I think they wouldn't want it. So I think there's a lot of motivation from both sides to figure it out. But it's just trying to find the right team that fits. And obviously Miami is going to be one of the ones that comes up in, in trade rumors um, because they're one of those teams that is like kind of desperate in terms of trying to find ways to add to their team. Just one other thing I want to add. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., probably not fantasy viable unless he's men. But his positional flexibility is huge. Uh, they're calling. They have what's called on quote like their fast lineup. Um, he's going to play the four there. Um, played a lot of four in the last preseason game. Also against the Magic. That's where he's valuable. Yeah, he's so like when anybody go really anybody goes down, like whether it be Hero or hopefully not uh, Winslow or whoever, like this guy can just fill any any position they need him to. Uh, especially since yeah. Olenek and Myers could both play the five. So like, and that's, that's the, and their, their four spot is hurting. I mean, yeah. the idea of starting Myers Leonard at the four is not, not ideal. And then Olenek's banged up and James Johnson is just like, it seems like he's been reduced to like yeah. most he can play is like 16 minutes a night. Basically. He's failed multiple conditioning tests. Yeah. Too. So he's obviously yeah. he's, he and waiters and, are on waiters yeah. Island, just not getting minutes. Yeah, so I think there's an opportunity there. And Derek Jones Jr., just high flyer, super athletic dude. You want that guy playing closer to the rim in general. Like when he starts and he's playing at the three, it's not as exciting. Um, I know there were a lot of DFS times last year where I would take shots on him, and I well, you want him playing the four. Um, so just keep an eye on that uh, as we go into to the season as well because I think that rotation is going to move around quite a bit during the course of the year. One more quick thing. He also practices three-point shots so much, he said his wrist started hurting, and he hit a couple real nice threes in the preseason. So, yeah, uh, love me some airplane mode. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to transition now to some bigger picture stuff because I think these are questions that people are going to need answered in the first week of the season. I think we're going to have some time to figure out rotations. And, you know, if you have a, a great idea about a rotation, that's likely to be actionable and make you some money early on in the season. But some of these bigger questions are going to be things that we're going to be dealing with every slate. So I want to, you know, I kind of want both of you to give me first what are your thoughts on the Harden and Westbrook backcourt? You know, both of these guys have been NBA DFS MVPs for the last two years. They've been the best uh, two guys really in per minute fantasy production. They've been guys that you wanted to play together in a lot of lineups. How do you see their production shaking out this year for DFS, Dink? So I think from a DFS perspective, you can pretty much consider – James Harden, the James Harden of old. I don't. I think he'll take a little bit of a hit, but I don't think it'll be a really substantial hit, um, largely because I think he's going to have the ball in his hands in the half-court situations. Um, I think Russ is more vulnerable here, um, simply because I think, you know, Russ is, has not played in a while under situations where there's a, a primary ball handler alongside him. Certainly Paul George was not a high-usage player alongside him, but Paul George was very comfortable – 
um, spreading out and basically coming off screens and, and letting Russ kind of facilitate. And I don't think that'll be the case with Harden. I think the ball will be in Harden's hands quite a bit. I think they will stagger them enough that there will still be value. And I think it'll be one of these situations like old school OKC days where if one of Westbrook or Durant was out, the other was pretty much a lock. And I think that'll be the case with Westbrook and Harden. But I think Harden's going to hold a little bit more of his value than Westbrook will. Pretty much agree across the board. And I'll add, I am 0.0% concerned about James Harden's usage. Uh, to your point, pretty much, this is James Harden's offense. He, it's his offense. Like Westbrook's the one who has to adapt to it. Um, we've heard even Gerson Rosas, Maury, all these guys say, like, it's James Harden's offense. We're building it to him. And that's still the case. So, and just to add some preseason stats, um, Harden, even with and without Westbrook, he's been a stud. So, 61 minutes with Westbrook per 36. He's 34 points per 36, uh, 6 and 6. Uh, and then without, 42, 9 and 14 assists in uh, a 113-minute sample. So he is going to be like probably one and a half points per minute in the minutes where Westbrook's sitting. That's 15. That's like 20 points right there. Yeah. <laughs> so add another 20, 25-ish, and you're, you're right there where you need to be for, for you know, 12, 13K. So I'm not worried about him at all. Um, Westbrook, on the other hand, a little bit worried here. 61-minute uh, sample again. Uh, he's only at 15, 4, and 6.5 with a 25 usage rate. Um, at a 110 pace. Again, we're 61 minutes isn't the biggest sample, but it's enough to kind of make a little bit of a judgment. But without um, 40 minutes, 123 pace, which you could see it. Like when Westbrook's yep. out there without hard, he has been flying. Yep. Uh, he's going scoring 36 points uh, per 36. So point a minute pretty much in the 40-minute sample. 10.9 turnovers, which is very Westbrook-like. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about him. I still think he's going to have a lot of like triple-double-y kind of lines. Um, we'll see how that affects Clint Capella. We all know Steven Adams' defensive rebounding rate was always like trash compared yep. to his offensive rebounding rate because he lets Westbrook get them. Um, and then Clint Capella also had a 16.4 usage rate with Harden and Westbrook. Thought that's kind of noteworthy in 48 minutes. Uh, but still, he was 15 and 14 in two blocks. Uh, and also Eric Gordon, only a 13 usage rate. So I'd be car- I don't like Gordon at all. Um, again, to add to Ding's point, not only does D'Antoni want Harden and Westbrook staggered, he wants – two of three of Gordon, Harden, and Westbrook on the floor at all times. So that sounds like house starts, Gordon comes off the bench, and they kind of fill in the gaps there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much where it is. And you're not going to want to play P.J. Tucker in his, like, .7 usage rate or whatever. Right. He's going to get transition and open corner threes really is all he's going to do. Um, and I mentioned Capella. Daniel House is going to be worth using because he's not going to get enough usage. Uh, that's kind of where we're at. So it's just those two guys really just carrying this team like we've really never even seen before, you know, two highest usage rates of all time uh, for a single season. Right. Okay. So what about, uh, what about when, well, do we think that James Harden is going to be load managed at all? I do not. They, okay. they just, it's, it's, it's one of the weirder things about the Maury tenure in Houston is that they've been so analytically inclined in so many ways and so resistant to managing their star players in any way, shape, or form when they already have a very thin roster. And some of that has been due to the competitiveness of the West and trying to chase, you know, uh, playoff seeding and home court advantage and different things like that. And they just, their roster is so thin, they can't at all compete without these guys. But um, they've shown no willingness or indication to consider doing such. And Harden, you know, and his dad bod keep rolling along, mm-hmm. keeping up big numbers. So uh, I don't I don't see any any – reason for concern there i'll add one more thing i think his desire for mvp keeps him on the court too yeah yeah like, this guy wants yeah. mvp so bad he's basically like the westbrook looking at the trophy mean yeah. like all the time 
So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about him. I'm a little bit worried about Westbrook just because he has a history of being issues. Yep. Uh, and just the way he plays, you would think you'd want to make him. And I feel like they may be a little bit bitten after Chris Paul, you know, missed uh, the time against Golden State a couple years ago. And then he's had so many hammy injuries. I think that may factor in how they handle Westbrook in his injury history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so two other superstar teammates that we uh, are going to have to talk about, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I, I kind of think that they are going to be amazing in the pick and roll, but uh, I – I don't know. Do you think that there's going to be any element of like a, a your turn, my turn kind of offensive production, kind of how it was with Kyrie at times in Cleveland Dink? Like, do you think that Anthony Davis is going to be, you know, 11.2 on DraftKings and he's going to project as a positive value? No, uh, so I think I, I have no concerns for these guys from a DFS perspective. I don't think it'll be a your, your turn, my turn thing. I think these two can work in tandem so well together, like you talked about, um, not only in the pick and roll, but I think – if you look at like the way, and it's weird because LeBron is, you know, technically going to play point guard, but I think this is one of the better constructed LeBron-esque teams that we've seen since LeBron was building teams kind of early in his career in, in Cleveland, which is shooting all around him. There's actually more players, you know, with, with the addition of Danny Green, um, with Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Avery Bradley, like guys that are just going to spread out. And not necessarily that they're the best shooters. He certainly had better shooters in his career when J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver and those guys. But I think in terms of that, plus the role man and the gravity that Anthony Davis pulls with him defensively, I think you're going to see a really, really good permanent production season from LeBron. Now he's getting older. His body you know, finally showed some signs of slowing down last year in terms of needing some time off. It'll be interesting to see if his body can kind of hold up through. From a DFS perspective, you usually don't have to worry about that too much because generally when LeBron plays, he's playing full bore in terms of minutes allocation. I think he's going to be almost even more valuable from a DFS perspective this year than in years past because I think the assist rate is going to, is, is going to naturally flow Whereas the last few years, it has been you have to pull it out of him a little bit based on the lineup construction. Now, the way these lineups are, there's just so many low usage spot up three point shooters around him and AD. The ball, the every possession is going to flow through those two guys. Yeah, like they're basically the forward version of Harden Westbrook, you know, just right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. Just nobody around them is going to take a lot of shots. Like they're. Uh, and also Alex Caruso's hurt, so I feel like we could pretty much write in pen that Avery Bradley's going to start, not that you're really going to use him unless you're stacking the game want to play him cheap. Um, but Avery Bradley actually had a pretty good preseason, lost 40 pounds, according to him, uh, 7% body fat as well. But, um, yeah, uh, preseason-wise, as you would expect, pretty big splits. Um, LeBron did have the higher usage rate of the two, but uh, keep in mind, LeBron has said really all along, and I kind of believe him, that AD will be the guy. Um, I mean, AD is like, and I've said this many times, like you forget how good he is sometimes, you know, like this guy is just basketball machine. So he's still going to, they're both going to be around 30 uses. They're both going to get a lot of stats. You mentioned LeBron's assist are probably going to even be better this year after he had a quote unquote bad year last year. He was still pretty good. Um, so yeah, those guys, especially in the right matchups, like you're, you can play them both. You can play one. Uh, I have no concerns about how these two are going to mesh together. They feel like such a great fit. Um, and then Le uh, LeBron also flies again um, without AD on the floor too when they're staggered. And also I'll add to um, Frank Vogel did say he wants to stagger them. Uh, he didn't quite spell it out clearly, but I mean, if you listen to him, it sounds like they're going to stagger him. So you're talking about, you know, 13, 14 minutes of those guys just feasting uh, a la how Harden would do too. So 
The one thing, Mike, that I wanted to get your thoughts on, because I think literally everybody in and around the NBA will probably have the, the, the same basketball take, but it might not actually play out this way because of players' personal preferences. But their offense is going to be something else entirely when it's Anthony Davis playing the five compared to when it's Anthony Davis playing the four, just because of the spacing issues that are going to come up with Dwight or JaVale playing alongside Anthony Davis. But Anthony Davis has been pretty vocal in his career about really preferring to play the four. I've seen seen some comments already from Frank Vogel about talking about how their best lineups are going to be when 80s at the five. How many minutes do you think they're going to run on a per game basis with Anthony Davis strictly at the five? I know this will be different when Kuzma's back because that's a big part of the equation as well. But what do you think they'll eventually get to? Because I think early in the season, it's going to start with a relatively low number, especially until Kuzma's back. And then I think they're going to progressively get higher and higher because they're going to realize that's their best way to win. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say under five minutes of 80 at the five to start the year. Um, again, their best five-man unit is going to have Kuzma out there. Um, yeah. And then they'll have the LeBron point guards basically subbing in Avery Bradley um, for him. Uh, and then a five-man too. So, But uh, Bradley's been pretty good too. But So when Kuzma comes back, you'd probably – I'd probably say like 11, 12, 13 minutes okay. as 80 to five, uh, which obviously really cuts into JaVale and Howard. That is going to be dependent on – who they play against. Like if it's your, yep. if it's against Joel Embiid, like I feel like they may be yep. a little bit content to do that. But um, yeah, so in early, like if you wanted to bank on JaVale, who's looked pretty good, Dwight's actually looked pretty good in the preseason. It'd probably be probably, I'd probably call it like a 22, 22 split, um, which you can get value out of that in the right matchups. So um, definitely into that. But um, yeah, there's, it, those two guys are going to feast. And I, I mean, really, if you've been, if you've been, uh, if you've been listening to uh, to LA like drive time radio, everyone out there is ready for Dwight Howard, 2020 and 15. <laughs> they, they think he's got it. He's lost a bunch of weight. Uh, everyone out there definitely believes that, uh, that he's ready to go. No more planking. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is actually, this is a really key one outside of Zion and John Morant. What, uh, what rookies are we expecting to be DFS relevant? Like first month of the season, Mike? Uh, we mentioned P.J. Washington. We mentioned Tyler Hero. Uh, we mentioned Kobe White, uh, those guys as well. Um, I think we have to start with the kill Alexander Walker. Um, he, he has – I don't think he had any overlap on Friday night uh, with Drew. So, he's basically been Drew Holiday's backup. I feel like that's going to change, man. He's just been too good. Um, and per minute, he's been insane. He's one of the most highly productive players in under 20 minutes in the preseason. Super high usage. Uh, assist numbers aren't bad. Uh, I love the Pelicans offense with all my heart. I think they're going to be first or second at worst in pace. Minnesota's going to be up there too. Um, so, and speaking of Minnesota, uh, I think Jared Culver uh, is going to be really impactful. Jeff Teague said last week that he's not 100% and he's probably not going to be. So, load management. Um, so, the games Jeff Teague fits, obviously, Shabazz Napier can't play all those minutes. So, Jared Culver, who both Rosas and Saunders have said could play one through three, I think he gets a lot of minutes. Had a lot of ball handling in the preseason. So, I think Jared Culver is going to be valuable to start the year. Do you want me to keep going or you want to jump in? <laughs> so I was going to say uh, the New Orleans situation with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they have so many options in the backcourt. I actually think the injury to Zion early in the season is going to help a little bit in terms of sorting through because they can just slide Brandon, Brandon Ingram up to the four a little bit more and get more minutes through him there and open up more wing minutes to the three. 
Um, who do you think is eventually going to emerge from that? Because there's Lonzo Ball, there's Drew Holiday. Those guys are for sure going to have a big role. J.J. Reddick's for sure going to have a role. You would think Josh Hart is going to have a role, but it's him, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Frank Jackson. And really just the way the math works out, it's hard for more than, let's say, one and a half of those guys to have a big role unless you're playing Ingram primarily at the four or not playing like Etwan Moore or something like that. They just have so many backcourt options how do you think that eventually sorts itself out, Mike? Yeah, well, until Zion comes back, Alvin Gentry said the other day that it sounds like they're going to roll with that lineup, uh, obviously subbing in Derek Favors, who rested on Friday. Yep. But so, yeah, like you said, it's going to probably be Lonzo, Drew, JJ, Ingram, and Favors with a little bit of Melly at the five, Okafor. Yep. Him and Mel- I think him and Melly will kind of split yep. uh, as their five-man. But, yeah, um, we saw basically Josh Hart was Lonzo's backup, uh, and then Nikhil was Drew's, as I said earlier. And then Ing- um, uh, each one more was Brandon Ingram. I'm sorry, yeah. Ingram uh, was his J.J. Reddick's backup, excuse me. So that's kind of their 10-man rotation they've got going on. Uh, I think him and Kendrick Williams will also kind of fill in behind Ingram, who kind of have similar uh, archetypes as far as, like, their size and stuff. But, um, yeah, I still think Drew's going to beast. Uh, he's had such a high percentage of points come in transition in the preseason. It was also really high last year. Uh, when AD sat, so that's something to watch as well. Um, but yeah, this team's gonna have I, a lot, I love, of, a lot of high scoring game. Yeah, I'm super excited about this team too. I love Drew. Uh, just I've loved Drew for a long time, so I'm super excited to see uh, the ball in his hands a little bit more. In terms of other rookies that I think can kind of contribute right away, you know, I think we really nailed the two biggest ones. Like Tyler Hero, I think is is got a clear path and opportunity to a lot of minutes right away. Um, and then, you know, other than the, the really big guys, I think there's some guys that are like more wait and see just because of the situations and, and how they develop. Um, like I'm really excited by Brandon Clark in Memphis. I'm excited about everything in Memphis, which we'll talk about uh, yeah. a little bit later, but I think he's, he's got an interesting opportunity just in terms of his skill set and his ability to play lots of different positions and on a young, like athletic team, he could be really, really interesting kind of getting up and down the floor. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tougher year for rookies to make a huge impact. I think DeAndre Hunter will be on the floor a bunch, but I don't think he's going to make a particularly big fantasy impact. I think, you know, when I thought of uh, him from a fantasy perspective, the guy, the guy that kind of came to mind when he was first drafted was like an Anthony Tolliver type, a guy who kind of like spreads the floor a little bit, can shoot it a little bit, does a little bit of everything, but does more stuff that doesn't kind of directly contribute to the box score. Um, than uh, than than what he does kind of on on uh, on, on ball in, in, in total um, and then I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Matisse Tybel with Philadelphia because they're just not a deep team on the whole and we know there's going to be plenty of nights that Joel Embiid rests and that kind of shift will shift the whole lineup structure around. Um, do you have any thoughts on him because he's got a pretty interesting skill set to me, Mike? Yeah, so I I thought that when Embiid was going to sit. Uh, I thought that that what was it four or five games ago or three four games ago I thought they would start Thibel, uh, but yeah. then out of nowhere they started Shake Milton, which yeah. shocked even all of Sixers Twitter. Yeah. Everyone thought it was me, Mike Scott. Yeah, so this guy he is so good with the steals and blocks or the stocks. I, I call him Nasdaq. Uh, <laughs> he has so many stocks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's gonna be, it's it's so hard to bank on like DFS guys for like just defensive stats. Yeah. So like there's that, but he's he's so fun, man. Like I just love watching that guy play defense and. He said after the game, like, Brett, Brett Brown's going to let him just roam around, do whatever he wants. And he said the hardest thing is just adapting to, like, defensive three seconds and just yeah. the little idiosyncrasies of the NBA game. So he's a really exciting player to watch. I'm actually going to push back on you a little bit on Hunter. So yeah. I kind of I had that take coming into the preseason, like, hardcore. I was, like, full fade in season long. I want nothing to do with this guy. 
Uh, I've been really impressed. He's been uh, handling the ball a little bit more. Uh, he's hit, assisting a little bit. A lot of PNRs uh, for him on ball, especially the last two games. Um, he shot the ball really well in the last two. Pretty efficient. So um, I think he's going to be sneaky. Um, we both Schlenk and Pierce said they're expecting him to get 30 minutes. Not quite out of the gate, but I think that'll be probably before Christmas. Um, and Atlanta's going to be a fantasy factory. Yeah, they're going to they're going to play super fast. Uh, yeah. it'll it'll be really interesting to see because there's going to be a lot of open looks with that Trey Collins, uh, Trey Young, John Collins pick and roll. There's going to be a lot of open looks. Um, both at the elbow and in the corner for Herter and for DeAndre Hunter. So I think there'll be a lot of opportunities. And if he has developed kind of that secondary handle and secondary uh, creator initiator type role, then the whole offense kind of opens up. So um, that's pretty interesting because I haven't watched a ton of the Hawks in the preseason, but that was my take kind of coming yeah, in. Yeah, and he did, I, I, had this, I had kind of the same thought in summer league. Like, well, he didn't play. He played like yeah. one game. But, um, yeah, I didn't really see anything from what I saw there. But, yeah, he the last couple games have really caught my eye. Um, and then to add to that, like Cam Reddish is a little bit limited. Lloyd Pierce said he'll start him out at 20 minutes now and kind of incrementally bring him up to 30, which I would probably say around January. Um, but he's already had two different injuries uh, on top of one where he had surgery over the summer too. So that's something to watch. Then uh, obviously the rest of their team's all banged up. Uh, even Kevin Herter's hurt. Yeah. Um, he's been limited pretty much all camp. Uh, so that's all more opportunity for him. But, yeah, you're, oh, I mean, he's one. not going to be a stud. You know, he's going to probably be, you know, even 16, 17 usage rate in that offense. You know, if he's like 4, four 5 and on um, at DFS, like I think that's something you could look at in the right yeah. matchups. There's one other name that I wanted to get your take on from the rookie perspective uh, because I think there's a lot of opportunity in Golden State and Jordan Poole. Um, do you think he's going to be able to create and, and carve out a substantial role early in the season? There's just – outside of Steph and, and Dar – there's a ton of, of opportunity yeah. available while Clay's out. So they are, I would say, for sure in the rotation, him and Eric Pascal as well as Draymond's backup, possibly getting some minutes at the five, too, for Pascal in certain matchups. But, yeah, I mean, this guy has really taken off the last couple of games in the preseason. They're running a lot of the quote-unquote, like, st- um, Clay plays for him mm-hmm. with, like, pin downs and coming around screens and a lot of on-ball stuff, too, for him, which obviously isn't a Clay's thing. But, yeah, um, terrific free season. And I've said um, to people, like, I think the reason why they cut McKinney is because I think they yeah. just believe in Jordan Poole uh, and really everybody else. And, I mean, Alec Burks has been hurt. So yep. there's a reason why they, they did that. I mean, if, if they felt like – I mean, I don't know. If, I think if Poole was garbage, they would have kept him um, and then maybe figured out Marquise Chris however they had to do it. But, yeah, um, I, I do like him a lot. Uh, I think when Draymond rests down the line, uh, Pascal could be pretty good, pretty decent shooter. Um, decent size. I think he can be a decent rebounder in the NBA too, but real versatile kind of a player. So I think he fits your system really, really, really well. Um, just a couple other names I wrote down just quickly. Uh, we'll save Clark for a minute. Um, Rui Hachimura, I think is the guy we have to talk about. Um, just yeah. going to get huge minutes in Washington. Brooks hasn't committed to it yet, but I mean, he's going to start him. He really has no choice. Also overlaps with Davis Bertans, who is his backup sort of. So I think that there's going to be a really quick path to 28 minutes for this guy. Um, and also just keep an eye out on for, uh, Goga Patazzi with um, some possible talk of a Demonte Sabonis trade over the weekend. Something to watch. Um, real, he's the only other center really besides Miles Turner and Sabonis. And I thought Terrence Mann had a really killer preseason. Uh, he'll be a, a name to watch when Kawhi and/or Paul yeah. George sit. Uh, so yeah. I was really impressed by him. Um, I was impressed by him in summer league too. Yeah, I guess R.J. Barrett too. We probably should talk about him. Like he, <laughs> he looked good, man. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess maybe the guy who's yeah, gonna take the just, most shots. Yeah, right. He, I actually, I was fading him in season long, and then I had my draft last night. And I was like, I'm taking Barrett, and so I took him at like 72 or something. 
Uh, but he really impressed me on Friday. So I think he's going to be – he was just stat stuff and machine in summer league. So, um, yeah, uh, as bad as the Knicks are and this, this, there's 37 power forwards, uh, I think R.J. Barrett has a clear runway. It's a really a massive role. Um, tie that to how Dennis Smith Jr. has been bad, Alfred Payton has been bad, and Frank Nielakina, despite, despite all the – the press uh, has been pretty bad in the preseason too. And also uh, some talk of some RJ Barrett point guard minutes as well. So check, 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 check on all things that could get him ha- having a huge rookie season. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing before we get out of here, uh, I just want to talk to you guys about some teams that you're excited to watch that maybe have not been exciting to watch before. Just, you know, who, who's going to be, who, who's Dink going to adopt next? Like oh. Jokic is like, Jokic is like popular now, like being like, yeah. Jokic, Jokic actually is a better defender than you think. Is like, <laughs> that's like the, that's like the popular uh, NBA take now. So, so what's our, what's our new hip team? Dink, I think you and I have the same team. Oh baby, it's the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I'm Memphis so Grizzlies? excited. Yeah. I'm so excited about Memphis. Um, I love John Morant. Love the way he plays. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I love Brandon Clark. Um, I think this team has all sorts of interesting upside. And it's, you know, it's been for a decade plus the boring old Memphis Grizzlies that kind of walk the ball up and you know throw it down low to Gasol or Zebo or you know run some occasional like pick and rolls or dribble handoffs with Mike Conley. I think they're going to be much more fast. I think they're going to be explosive. And I think. They're, they have a lot of flexi- flexibility in terms of the way that they can deploy some of these guys like Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson who can kind of play multiple positions and defend with like really big long wingspans. I think they're going to be really fun to watch. Um, I'm super excited about Memphis and that's the first time I've said that uh, in more than a decade other than like just like you know when I'm putting on my nerdy basketball hat and being like oh I really want to watch like some well executed half court basketball tonight. Um, I'm actually excited about watching them kind of get up and down the floor. Yeah, their whole like grit and grind thing is more like a groan and grub, where like just, yeah. uh, the Grizzlies just go get go get a bite to eat while they're on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like this team is totally transformed. I mean, John Morant is so explosive. This offense is set up perfectly for him. They're calling it a five out offense uh, with just a bunch of shooters around here. And I mean, they had another guy like much like Pool. They cut Miles Turner and they cut Ivan Rab, which we didn't really we kind of knew that was coming, but. Brandon Clark is just so good. Uh, he is yeah. their best rebounder on the team. He's extremely skilled. Like he, you almost he's almost as well rounded as Jaron Jackson Jr. is. Jonas Valanciunas has a foot injury uh, on a big man, an older big man. Like these are concerns, big concerns. Um, still throw limited. me, throw me those Jaron Jackson Jr. Brandon Clark front court dude duos. all like, day. Please, I, all the rim protection, all the rim protection. It'll yeah. be so hot. I got I got a little bit of a pushback on Twitter when I was like, uh, I don't think it's a, a non-zero it's a non-zero chance that Clark starts over a healthy JV. Like, Ooh. why wouldn't you put your young core together? You know, yeah. let them play together. I feel like that's a better plan. And then add to it too, like Jay Crowder's going to get traded. Uh, I think yeah. that put him some minutes for. Um, I hope DeAnthony Melton gets over his little back back. Injury. Yeah, I'm really excited for DeAnthony. I love DeAnthony Melton. He's probably like my top 10 I like him more than you do kind of a player <laughs> um, so I think he's really good and then Tyus Jones another uh yeah. NBA Twitter favorite like there's just yep. so many guys on this team Dylan Brooks dropped uh, a franchise record uh in the third quarter last week he was real fun has Grayson Allen getting into fights like <laughs> come on man uh Bruno Caboclo at the five there's just so much to like about this team man um I'm really excited uh, and it's just great to see a team with a plan you know we yeah. see all these teams, like the Suns, like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to tank this year. Oh, wait, no, we're not. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they have a plan now, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, this is. And, and Mike, you mentioned you, you mentioned you're super excited for DFS purposes and fantasy purposes for New Orleans. But for is are they going to be one of your league pass teams this year? Oh, for sure. Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me tweet out like a million uh, Pelican stats and quotes and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, uh, I had Memphis too. Uh, we didn't talk about it before, but yeah, I, New Orleans is going to be one of the te- like if you do DFS any coverage, like you're going to lead with stacking that game, I feel like, half the time uh, with how fast they're going to play. This team is just built to run all over the place, even without Zion. Um, so, yeah, um, just a really good team. And even J.J. Riddick, like we said, is going to be a, a lot of sh- – they needed another shooter out there, too. Yeah. Um, despite all- Although, um, Dave, uh, Davis and I had said that – you had said that you think Lonzo is going to be a lot better from three. And I said I'm, he's I'm, better from the line, too. I, I think his – it, it saw, looks good. Yeah, I I'm in one on video, One video. One video of Lonzo's <laughs> new shooting motion. I was like, baby, I'm in. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back on Lonzo. Because when Lonzo was drafted, I was like, this dude um, sees the floor really well, which everybody said. But he also, like, rebounds the basketball really well for a guard. He, he might have had some, like, lateral agility concerns, but he's so long that he basically makes up for all that. And so I thought defensively he was already a pretty good point guard from the get-go. He's obviously got great vision and a good passer. And so it just came down to can, can he make teams respect his shot? And the whole motion changed in a way that it's like, okay, this is fluid now and actually quick enough to kind of get his shot off contested. So I'm in Alonzo. Um, and I think that's a game changer for him. Like you get yeah. – it's, it's – I mean, it's the whole Jason Kidd thing in, in the later part of Jason Kidd's career. You add, when you added a shot to him, the knockdown kind of set three-pointer that he was able to hit, which I think in today's NBA is kind of off, off the table because defense is so much better in today's NBA. But I think Lonzo is going to have that kind of shot that's really going to elevate his game now. So I'm in. I'm in on Lonzo. Yeah. And then I'll add to uh, that the day we recorded that podcast, I was like, it's going to help his free throws. And then yeah. next game, he went five for five from the line for the yeah. first time since high school. So I was like, oh, yeah, so I'll take my victory laps on that one. Uh, yeah. You know, he's, he, been, he, he's been terrible. His last, like, 12 games before he got hurt, he shot, like, 25% from the line. Yeah, he's he's um he's one of those guys that in, in DFS, I'm going to be playing heavy early in the season. And in seasonal, I was trying to get my hands on wherever I could and drop. There we go. All right, boys. Well, I think that's going to do it for the very first edition of uh, a super, a hyper-focused NBA take cast. Uh, of course, looking for feedback on this format. Uh, if you guys, you know, if you guys have questions, if you guys have suggestions for the format, how can we make this the most actionable and useful show to uh, to help you guys win at fantasy, help you guys win at DFS, and uh, make sure to follow Mike on Twitter at Mike S. Gallagher. Follow Dink uh, at Drew Dinkmeyer, and uh, we will uh, we will be back next week. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. 
So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.